0: I want to welcome all of you that are watching us live tonight, wherever you might be. Um, Although it is men's ministry night, I realize that mixed among all of you are some women uh, that are also watching us, and I want to welcome all of you. No matter where you have come from, uh, how you heard about us, we are so, so blessed uh, that you are here with us tonight. So what we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at what it looks like for men and their view of marriage and address some of the viewpoints uh, that men have, their approach uh, to what a married relationship looks like. So before we get into that, what I want to do first and foremost is, as always, I want to make sure that we give glory to whom glory is due and that is to our God, to our Father Yahweh. He is faithful in every way uh, to give us an opportunity to grow. Um, He is never reluctant but always anxious to lead us, to guide us, to empower and equip us with uh, people and examples uh, which we'll use tonight on how to grow in Him and how to be in Him everything He created us to be. So I want to pray, and I want to pray that each of us will have ears to hear, we will have eyes to see, and we will be willing to receive into our heart uh, everything that the Father wants to, by Holy Spirit, and the voices that you will be hearing tonight, what He wants to use us to do to help you grow and to help each of us grow. So, Father... I honor you tonight. I join with Kent and with Judy and with every person that's on the other side of that lens tonight, I pray for each one. I pray that we do see and that we do hear everything you want us to see and hear tonight so that we may in every way make your name great in our relationship, specifically men to women, to our wives And in every way that that relationship to our wives will honor not only them, but first it will honor you. Help us tonight, Father, to hear what is said and even what might not be said that you feel is necessary to be heard. Let the ears hear everything that you're saying tonight. Let nothing be undone that you have purposed to be done and be glorified by it. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. So, the focus tonight is on how we as men can become better husbands um, by examining, first of all, our current relationship with our wives, and then place that or measure that up against God's plan for what marriage looks like. So, I think it would be safe to say that every man that's watching this, or at least let me say this, I hope... It is safe to say that every single man that is watching tonight would be the kind of man that wants to be a better husband in every way you want to honor uh, your wife. So we're going to go through a little study here, a little panel, a little discussion. And when we do this, um, I want to make sure that we ask questions that will help you. And I'm certain that the answers you get Will help you. So, will you help me tonight do this? We have two guests that are present right now, and I realize this screen is not working. It's not going to be working for the rest of the night. My apologies. Uh, I thought I had it all set up right. It's not, um, but that's my bad. But I want you to jo- uh, welcome with me tonight these, this man, this woman who love God with all their heart, all their soul, and all their mind. Would you, in your way, on the other side of that lens, welcome with me Mr. Kent and Miss Judy Crakes. They are incredible. We hear you clapping. We can't hear you. We're just going to pretend like we hear you. But uh, we're welcoming them, and we're thankful that they have joined us. So, Kent and Judy, thank you so much for being here with me tonight. I invited you because you are, in every way, one, you live exemplary lives. You are an example to everybody that watches you. And I know when people say that to people, sometimes we get this idea that, well, you, you don't know. The other day I messed up a little bit. You know, there might be those moments. But in the big picture, there is no one I know, and this is a true statement, there really is no one I know that demonstrates a love for God more than you two. You guys in every way are faithful, you are loyal, you are committed. And for that reason, uh, in watching your marriage, I've known you guys a long time. And in the years that we've watched you, anyone that knows you know that you have a relationship that is to be envied and to be jealous for in all the right ways, for all the right reasons. So what I want to do is I want to jump right in and I'm going to ask each of you a question and I'm going to start Miss Judy with you. Are you Ready? So again, if you're when you you that are watching online, keep in mind that as I ask them these questions, um, they're going to share from their perspective um, what they believe and how their lives have been impacted by their relationship in the years that they've been married. So we're going to jump right in. So Miss Judy, how long have you and Mr. Kent been married?
1: 52 years, 74.
0: She knows exactly.
1: 52 years, 74 days, 4 hours, and about 10
0: minutes. (laughs) That's a long time. That's a long time. I'm not even going to try to repeat that. That is a long time. Well, because of that, in 52 years, 74 days, 4 hours, hours, and 10 minutes, Mm -hmm. in those 52-plus years, have you, do you believe that you guys have learned anything about marriage? Is that long enough to learn something about marriage, maybe is a better way?
1: One day we think we know it all, <laughs> and the next day we get up and we know we don't.
0: Oh, it, it, see, that right there is the story of the lives of every single person. We have those days. I think it would be true for everyone, every married couple. We have those days we think, this is wedded bliss. Everything is right. Everything is perfect. And then suddenly we get up the next day and it just, all the pieces didn't fit as well as they did the day before. Nevertheless, 52 years, 7 months, 74 days. days. All of the time, all the time you've been together together you've learned that both in the good days and in the bad days, you're committed because you're in love and because the Father sent Kent to you and you to Kent. Would that be true? Yes. Amen. Kent, you ready? Yes, sir. How has your I do 52 years ago continued to be your I do, 52 years later? (laughs) Well,
2: you hit the nail on the head right there, 52 years ago. That's old school. Back when we said our I do's, it was love, honor, cherish, until death do you part. Mm. And that, to me, meant something. Yes. I wasn't going to try to divorce this lady right here. It's great. Ne- never entered my mind. It's great. It, only time she was going to get rid of me is when I die. Now, wow. that, that, that might be a dangerous wow. statement right well. there because she, she's a pistol-toting mama. But, Uh-oh. <laughs> <but, laughs> Pink um, pistol. Yes. But it, it, that's basically the how I felt. Yeah. Is, is that I do really meant something to me back then. And, and, I, and I know it did for her, too.
0: And that is the, you you guys are of the generation where a handshake meant something. You didn't have to sign the contract. The verbal agreement was enough to say, you have my word, and I have yours, yours, and we're going to see this thing through. So 52 years ago, you said it a second ago, when you said, I do, there was no out. There was no option. And before we... Looking at you on the screen, before we sat down up here at this table tonight, we were just discussing uh, the pathway, and one of the conversation, part of the conversation we had was today's generation, and some of you that are watching right now, you've been married for maybe a year, maybe some months, maybe a few years, and you've been certainly not 52 years, and in your reality, in your world, it's common, When people stand in front of the preacher and the husband says, I do, and the wife says, I do, and they exchange vows and they exchange rings, somewhere in the back room, there's a contract or a prenup that says, I do until this. The death part is irrelevant. It's just, I do until you burn the chicken or I do until you quit your job. And so it's really, it doesn't hold fast today in too many ways like it did then. And unfortunately, those rules or those um, that playbook has found its way actually into the church world and into the kingdom, if it, if it could be stated that way. I'm not, I, it's not really the kingdom, but it, it looks that way, and it's been allowed to come into that. But there's something to be said about a man and a woman that are joined together until death do us part no matter how the journey might look along the way in 52 years and we'll get to some of this stuff shortly but in 52 years no doubt there's been some of those days where it felt like oh this is this is a tough one this one's a little bit more difficult than the than the last one you you said it a moment ago and and there are those days, and yet at the end of every day, when you lay your head down on your pillow, you know, until death do us part. And sometimes, I'm assuming, there might have been a time or two when you had to remind yourself of that. I said, until death do we part.
2: Oh, yeah, and, and, and I think that's maybe what's wrong maybe with this generation today is, it's like you were saying, it's too easy for them. It's an easy out. hmm so, like you said, if they burn the chicken or whatever, okay, yeah. I'm out of here. Right. And, you know, back then it was kind of a stigma to, to get a divorce back mm. in the wow. 60s wow. when we got married. So, you know, it was not even in my realm of thinking, I guess, to, to, to even think about a divorce back then. So
1: We were married about 15 years before we knew someone in the circle of our life that was divorced.
0: Wow. Wow. And today, all you have to do is pretty much look at your neighbor. And, and, it's, and it's that prevalent. It's that common for people to be divorced. Well, with that, I want to talk to you, to you men tonight. We want to come to you and speak to you and to you ladies, you wives, you, and some of you are single. And I want to make sure and address that. Some of you that are watching tonight, you're not married yet, but you will be. You're, you're a man, you're waiting for your wife, you're a, wife, a woman, you're waiting for your husband. Um, this is for you as well, because you need to know when you enter in to that marriage relationship, you, you, we should never enter into that lightly. We should enter into that. First of all, we need to have the word of the Lord. We need to know that the father has put his thumbprint on this thing and said, the I do you're about to give, I gave a long time ago before you were ever born, and we need to hear that I do. So this is for everybody, and as we begin to discuss this, and I'm going to read a line of scriptures out of Genesis chapter 2 in a moment, but as we begin to discuss this, I want you to hear some things, everything that is said tonight, and I want you to find a way to apply that to your life. Your story is certainly going to be different than either mine or Kent and Judy Craig's. But there's going to be some similarities in there. Some of the challenges will look similar. And I encourage you tonight to weigh yourself up the way you see marriage against the way God sees marriage. And I can tell you if our heart is to cause our marriage, our plan, our path in our marriage to parallel God's plan, it's going to be right and the fruit will honor him, and it will honor you, and it will honor your wife. You will honor each other. So let's do this. I want to read from Genesis what God's first word, first word, was to mankind regarding a husband and a wife. So I'm reading out of the ESV, the English Standard Version, in Genesis chapter 2, beginning with verse 18. It says this, Then the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. Listen, if ever there was anything that God said that could not be questioned, every man knows that's the one. That's the thing. It is not good for man to be alone, and there's a lot of reasons. He said, I will make him a helper that is fit. For him. Verse 19. Now out of the ground the Lord God had formed. Every beast of the field. And every bird of the heavens. And brought them to the man. To see what he would call them. And whatever the man called. Every living creature. That was its name. The man gave names to all livestock. To the birds of the heavens. And to every beast of the field. But Adam. For Adam. There was not found a helper that was fit for him. In other words, in that passage, what we learn is that for every beast, there was a helper fit for that beast. For every male, there was a female. For every female, there was a male. There's no reference point that we have anywhere in Scripture that ever a rib was taken out of one beast so that another could be formed. In fact, he's comparing in this passage... The loneliness of man up against how the beasts of the field were not. And it's very interesting when you look at that. So then he says, So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, or the man. And while he slept, he took one of Adam's ribs and closed up its place with flesh. And the rib that the Lord God had taken from the man, he made or fashioned, depends on your version, into a woman... And I want you to remember this part of the statement. Fashioned into a woman and brought her to the man. Remember that for down the road a minute. Fashioned her and brought her to the man. Then the man said, This at last is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of the man therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast or be brought to his wife and they shall become one flesh these particular scriptures are a very very interesting study and i'm going to explain to you why have you ever noticed when you've heard this, you've heard preachers preach it, um, you've, you've read it yourself, you, probably at your wedding, uh, these very verses may have been read uh, when, you were being, when you were saying I do to her or saying I do to him. But have you ever noticed this? First, the woman was taken from the man and then she was brought back to the man And later, the man was taken from mother and father, and brought to the wife. There was a taking and a bringing, both for the man or for the woman, and for the man. There was something; it was reciprocal. It was like a circle. It was a plan of God to do something that I'm going to refer to in a moment to help you understand it. But it was a the plan of God, men that not only would your wife be, as it were, spiritually speaking, speaking, taken from your flesh, and then you were brought back to her, or she would come back to you, in the same way you were to be taken from your familiarity, from the place, your comfort zone, and you were given to her. Both she and you, were required in the process of time to be, get into a place that was unfamiliar only to learn and to grow from one another. There's a passage that I don't have written down tonight, and I'm, I can't remember exactly where it's found. If you want to look it up, you can. But there is a passage that talks about how it is rightful and right for the husband, a new husband, to not have any responsibilities in the first year of marriage so that he can tend to his wife. He's left everything he knows. He's come into his wife, and his sole responsibility is to know her and her to know him, to create a bond that cannot happen in a few minutes or even over dinner, but it requires each other's undivided attention. With that... I want to ask a question of you men. This is, again, men in marriage. Hmm, I'm having trouble Uh-oh. This. Siri Siri is talking. She does, she does it all the time. But I want to ask you a question. Have you ever considered, have you ever thought, is it possible, I guess, that you've come to a place where you are satisfied With the 10 minutes across the table you have with your wife, or the hour that you watch your favorite television show with your wife, have you ever considered that you become satisfied with that to the point that you're no longer exercising the rightful duty of the husband, and that is to nurture her, to secure her, to provide for her a covering that makes her understand and know she is the queen of your life the most important person in your life have you ever thought for a second whether or not you are giving your wife everything the father trusted you to give her when he joined her to you, I want you to consider that tonight, so what is the significance of this scripture I believe it is this, I believe that in the Woman being taken from the man and then brought back to him. The man being taken from his family and brought to the woman. I believe that in that, what the Father is trying to show us in that circle, He is trying to show us the equality and the shared dominion each of us have, each husband and wife should that should exist between a husband and wife. Again, It is that the equality that is there. And I'll explain that in a second. But the equality that is there and the shared dominion. In other words, she was brought into Adam's, Eve was brought into Adam's dominion, his vision, the expression of who he was, the soul of who he was. She was brought into that place. And then later, every other generation, the husband is brought out of his familiar place into The wife's dominion. So why? Why did God cause both her and he to both find a place where they were leaving one thing and going into another? He was trying to demonstrate something that I think gets lost all too often, especially among traditional religion... Um, we all operate in the place where we know to operate. We flow and function out of the place we know to flow and function out of. But when we learn to grow from that place, we should be willing to do that. And that is this. I believe what the Father was trying to show us is something that I have always believed, and that is this. That positionally, if you look at a line, and it's right here, positionally, the husband and the wife are equal. If we can get that, we can overcome this, the historical, traditional perspective that the husband is the ruler of this household. He is the commander of the army. He is the king of this kingdom. It was never meant to be that way. If we could understand that positionally the husband and the wife are equal, And at the same time understand that our roles are different. This is not, does not become a place where marriage, where we, I guess, let me say it this way. It's a place where men can begin to understand it is not a throne from which we rule. Instead, it is an unwritten story that is eager to be written. So if I understand that my wife and I are equal positionally, but I know what my role is and she knows what her role is. Her role makes me stronger, and my role makes her stronger. There is a story that the father laid out in the very very beginning of time that will be beautiful if we can add to one another and not try to dominate one another. And too many marriages today are about domination, and it's about men viewing their marriage as, Listen, my word is final. This is the way it is. You're going to submit. I'm the ruler of this, as I said a moment, domain. This is my throne. You don't get keep your six-foot space unless you're invited into this place. And all of that, all that does is lead to an unhappy marriage, an unhappy wife, and neither is fulfilled. There's a way past that. Men, I don't know how you believe. I know some of you believe what I'm saying. Some of you believe the way it was. Some of you right now are trying to figure it out. But I'm going to tell you something today. Get this right now before we move forward. Get this. You are not your wife's king. And you are not your wife's ruler. You are your wife's strength in the same way she is your strength. You demonstrate that strength very differently. Let's build on that with the rest of our dialogue tonight. So let's do this. So Kent, let me ask you a question. What did you know about being a husband before you married Judy?
2: Yeah, probably very little. I mean, the example of of my mother and father, uh, you know, him being a husband to my mother and my mother being a wife to my father, that's basically all I knew about that. Um, And. No, it wasn't on our mind, but I guess I'm trying to think of how I want to word this. Just as you were saying before, we didn't get to 52 years by me being her king. Right. That that wouldn't have happened. Right. (laughs) I mean, mean, not with this lady. So I guess that kind of answers that question. I guess that's the way I wanted to put that.
0: But along that journey... In all of those years, in the beginning, you were, you were finding your footing. You were well, trying to figure well, out. You, you wanted to be, right off the bat, you want to be the well, husband yes. uh, that, that people tell stories about for all the right reasons. Well, Would that be true?
2: Yeah, that's true, and, and, and that's what I was trying to say about, about my father and my mother. I mean, I learned some things from my father the way he treated my mother. So I had some basics of how to be a good husband. That's great. But But— Maybe not a lot of spiritual stuff, but just the natural things of how to be a good husband.
1: His daddy said, a real man never lays a hand on a woman.
0: That's and still true today. That's, I, I know. That would still be a true statement. So what has Judy taught you in these 52 years? What have you learned from her about being a husband? Because I can tell you my wife has helped me learn how to be a better husband, and so I know that that's true in your life as well.
2: Well, yeah, I mean, just the daily things in your life, um, there's a lot of things that she helps me be a husband at. Uh, I guess one thing I can think of right offhand is uh, one good way I'm trying to honor her is now that she's got a part-time job here, Sometimes when she comes home in the evening I try to have supper ready. Wow. It's not always there you go. the case but
0: That was this so, is the new one. So well let me ask you that and I don't mean I'm sorry to cut you off but when you go home and he's done that as a wife how does that make you feel?
1: He has no idea that it I've heard the story that no man was killed washing the dishes. <laughs> No husband was (laughs) killed washing the dishes. Um, A woman will flourish uh, when she knows she's loved.
0: Mm. Say that again, Miss Judy.
1: A woman will flourish when she knows she's loved. Mm. And you can do it in small ways. You can bathe the children. You can put your hand on her in public.
3: Hmm.
2: One thing that she's tried to teach me over the years, and I grew up this way with my mother and father, they didn't say, I love you a lot. Hmm. And so I don't say that to her near as much as I should. So that's one thing that, that I got can can't improve on, definitely.
0: But I love that, Kent. I, you know what I love about you making that statement right now? And I hope everyone watching is getting this because what I love about that is after 52 years of marriage, you haven't stopped searching. How can I be a better husband in, in my relationship to my wife? I love that. Well, that's
2: true. And she knows that I love her and the, the things that we do together and the things that I try to do for her. But t- just the act of me saying I love you, I don't do that near often.
0: It's, you're not, but you're not satisfied with the fact that she knows it you don't want her to just be satisfied. You want to know, you want to be, I love that you want to make sure that you're conscious to say, you know what, I want to be better about telling her that. That's incredible. And, and I know in relation to him cooking a meal before you, or when you come home and you've worked here and you work a long day here, when you come in here, it's a long day. You get home, you're dealing with children and people coming in and out and you go home and, and not that it's strenuous work, but it's,
1: it, it's just you walk in and we're both hungry. Yes. And, you know, and um and if you don't plan a meal, there you are, you're both hungry. And it has been sweet.
0: And it feels like value. Yes. When you come in, my husband has yes. valued me. Would that be true a true statement? Yes.
1: And I and we don't need to expect the other one to do the same thing all the time. You know, it can be different things this is great. on different gotcha. days. Um, I don't mind cooking and cleaning, um, and there's times I don't enjoy it. But um, every day can bring a new situation. Don't make it, this, you know, the law. This is your job, and this is my job.
0: So I'm going to throw you guys a question off off script, I guess. But I'm going to throw this question at you, and that is this. What would you say to the men that are watching right now that have, they get home, they get home from work, whatever they're doing, they're not really even thinking about how they can help their wife, serve their wife. They're just going home, they're just plopping down on the couch or getting on a video game or doing whatever it is they do. What would you say to that man today about... What encouragement, what what words would you speak to him? I would like both of you to answer this, but what words would you speak to him both as a husband and as a wife? What would you say to that man that is just like, I just want to go home, I don't want to... Is that safe or is there a better way?
1: Um, When a man walks in the door, that is not the time to tell him that a bill is overdue or the child needs discipline. The first hour maybe you know um, just quietly go about your business uh, don't make demands on a husband that has worked all day when they walk in the door Kent was a farmer and when um, the harvest was going on or when it was heavy planting um, he would leave at sun out sun up and not come down and come back home until the sun went down. Mm, Wow. And it wasn't always like that. But there were many weeks out of the month that it was. So the kids were bathed and put in bed or fed. Uh, Their supper was already done. And um, he walks in the door. Mm. So And he's tired. Um, When you love somebody... Mm. Give them space, Mm. and when they do it wrong, remind yourself when you do it wrong. Mm.
0: Um. What would you say, Ken? Well,
2: I I just want to say to the men that we don't have all the answers. Yeah, we've been married for 52 years, but we don't have all the answers. We're, We're still living day by day and learning day by day. And and some of the things that she was just sharing, uh it goes both ways, you know. So you know, even when uh, when a woman comes in like I was saying and she's tired from working, the the supper's ready, so sit down, let's have supper. So just things like that.
0: See and, and the reason I'm kind of pressing that question is because because of what I do and because I counsel married couples on a regular basis, and they come into my office, one of the things that is frequently brought up, and men, I want you to listen to what I'm saying, one of the things that, one of the frustrations many wives will have is that the husband comes home, and he's not helping do anything, and when you made that statement a moment ago, and you, because I think a lot of times, and this is, it's cliche-ish, and yet it's true, um, that men might think, well, a woman's job is so much easier than a man's. Well, it's not. It's not. I used to say my wife worked for free, you know, and, or she used to work for money, then she worked for free when she was raising our children. She didn't work any less. She just didn't make money. And I think when I meet with these couples, one of the things that I hear often is from the wife is their frustration because they love their husbands, but they just want their husbands to show them, love me love me. And the little thing like that you did that might seem so small to make a meal for your wife, she comes home and she doesn't have to think about that. I, that just goes a long way. Is that a true statement? Yes. That goes a long, and I try to do that likewise with my wife. I, I'm similar to that. I'll try to cook her meal. I'm, don't, I'm not nearly as good a cook as she is, but I, I do my best uh, to, to make her meals. And like you, and I appreciate your honesty, you know, none of us are perfect but we are growing in learning how to better, be a better husband to our wives and certainly wives to our husbands. So, so Judy, as a wife, what were some of the things that you hoped uh, Kent would be when you married him to you?
1: I wasn't thinking of that. We were in love. Um, you know, I, I thought about that this week, and we were in love. When you're in love...
2: I don't think about the husband and wife part of it. Yeah, you don't. <laughs> I, I wasn't thinking about. Let's him. get married, man.
1: I wasn't thinking about him being a good husband. I just loved him. Mm. Um, I loved watching him walk in the door. I loved um, uh, laying with him at night. I mm. loved. We'd go out. Uh, in the beginning, we only spent a hundred and twenty days together right after we married and he was drafted hmm. and he went into basic training wow. and then um, so our first two years we only had 120 days together wow. that was it. Wow. So we were newlyweds on our second anniversary.
0: Wow.
2: Well I was just going to add to what she was saying and I think because of that situation that we had in our first two years of marriage um, I think it made us stronger as far as a relationship because we we made it through that, and we said if we can make it through that. We can
0: make it through anything. So that kind of wow. that kind
2: of helped a lot.
0: Well, that's a thing. pretty big. Uh, that's a that would be a pretty big mountain to climb for most people.
1: Yeah, we didn't feel married,
0: right? To be honest, right. we barely you. knew each other uh, well, as a married couple.
1: Yeah, and. We were high school sweethearts, so we knew a lot about each other. But um, we had a lot of part, uh, time apart. But when he came home, we had so much
0: fun. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what did that look like? So when you came home, you're, a, you're a, a married man. You're gone for two years, or almost, it was two years, two years, right? Well, I'm a year and a half, basically.
2: Basically a year and a half because I was in basic training, and then advanced training, and then shipped me right off to Vietnam. But so about a year and a half, uh, we were basically separated. And like she said, on 120 days or something, we were together kind of in and out there out of that year and a half. So, and it was rough, but we learned to cope with it, and you know, we moved on.
0: Well, when you came back, I'm sorry, Mr. Judy, when you came back from Vietnam and you guys were joined together, were, were there couples that you would look to, you as a husband, you as a wife, were there couples you would look to and just pattern yourself, whether it was parents or friends or family or whomever in the church? Were, was there anybody that you would, you don't have to say who, but somebody that you looked to to help you know how to be the kind of husband to Judy that you was in your heart to be and you the wife to him that was in your heart?
1: I can't
2: think of anybody that we would actually have done that or thought about that way.
1: Both our parents had strengths Mm -hmm. that we could pull on, Mm -hmm. you know, remember and how to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, They also had weaknesses Mm -hmm. that we didn't want to repeat. And, and of course, we repeated Mm -hmm. some weaknesses of our parents and ignorance of Mm -hmm. not
0: knowing Mm -hmm. how to do it. But you grew. You grew. We grew, yes. So, Kent, what are, let's see, um, how do I want to ask this? Um, Let me just ask it just like I've got it written. So what are some of the struggles that men have with being a good husband? I think every man goes into a marriage and wants to be, especially on day one, they walk down that aisle and they see that bride coming down the aisle and all they can think about is, I'm going to be the best husband that's ever existed on this planet. Then they get married, and then suddenly they find themselves struggling to feel like they're being a good husband. What are some of those struggles that men might have, and maybe you've even had in the beginning or whenever, that you're comfortable sharing? What are some of those struggles that men have in being a good husband?
2: Well, the one big thing that I can think of right off the bat that I struggled with, and still to this day I struggle with, it, is is um, being spiritually the head of my house household. Mm. Mm. I don't pray as much as I should with her and in a lot of other things spiritually that I pr- probably don't do. But I'm learning from you mm. how to do it a lot better than I have yeah. in the past. So Very nice. Thank you. that's the biggest thing that, that I struggle with. Mm. And and I, I don't know if other men would struggle with that same thing, but it's possible, I'm sure.
0: I think that's a really good a really good point, because going back to what we had talked about earlier, the tradition, the traditional marriage, the traditional viewpoint of marriage is that the man had the kingdom, and that kingdom was his, and he's the wife should just be lucky to be a part of it. And um, that has been, for too long, the idea of what marriage is. And then you bring up now that one of the struggles is just learning to accept that this isn't my throne that I rule from, but this is a book that my wife and I together are writing. And in the middle of that, how can I guide her without being a king over her? Um, and that, I think sometimes, I mean, that is hitting the nail right on the head because that is the struggle that so many men have is how can I be the spiritual leader of my home without at the same time feeling like I am a, an a authority that's out of place uh, because none of us want to do that and I want to say to you men first and to myself I'm, I'm learning as well I'm growing I'm like everyone else I'm, I'm trying to be a better husband every day I'm doing what what I know to do I'm asking Holy Spirit every day help me to be a better husband to my wife father and my children leader to this congregation all of these things but I I think one of the things is that we need to make sure that we're doing is is understanding while we are not ruling from a throne in our marriage, it is our responsibility to make it a safe place for our wives to know they are covered by our prayers, they're covered by our intercession, uh, that it is a safe place for them to to express everything that the Father has put in them. It's not a difficult thing, men. For us to really, at the end, to come to the place where we are protecting our wives and letting them know they're protected without hovering over them. Giving them room to spread their wings and to be who they were created to be without restraining them and and allowing them at the same time that they're spreading their wings to feel like, you know what, If, if I do it right, my husband rejoices with me. If I do it wrong, my husband will grow with me. And knowing that is critical in prayer, our prayer, our intercession, whether even if it's with our wife or if it's private. Every morning I get up, every day, I get up, I have my cup of coffee, I go out, we have a porch swing on our back porch, and I go out on that porch swing and I sit there and I start every single day by saying to the Father, Father, help me today. In whatever way I need help, I'm, I'm, I ask you today to help me to be a good leader, to be a good husband, be faithful over the people that you've, you've entrusted to me, to be faithful over my children, my wife. Every single day, I start my day by sitting on that swing, drinking a cup of coffee, and I start it by talking to, to the Father and asking Him to give me direction. And in, in that, I'm alone, usually. Kim's out there with me sometimes, most of the time she's running, but sometimes she's out there with me and together we'll talk about where we're headed and what we're doing and how can we improve our, cir- our circumstances, our relationship, uh, the relationships that we have with others. That is an important point, Ken. So important. Um, because that is a struggle that men have. How do I spiritually cover my bride? And I can tell you the first thing is first, have a personal relationship with the Father. If we first... Have a personal relationship and say, God, I really need to know you intimately first. And if I know you intimately, even, I don't even know how this is going to sound, but if I know you intimately, even if I don't read five scriptures to my wife every day or lay my hands on her every day, if I know you intimately and my wife sees that intimate relationship, she is covered by that intimate relationship. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I think, men, sometimes I, I hope that you're learning from that because that will help you to be able to cover your wife knowing that whether you're present or absent, you might be at work and have a few minutes and you're sitting in your car, your intercession over your wife goes a long way. And while you are talking to the father about your wife, this is what he's going to do. This is the amazing thing in men in marriage is the father will talk back. And he'll say to you that are watching today, I don't know what your name is. Might be Rick, might be Alex, might be Mark, might be whomever. And he'll say back to you by Holy Spirit, he'll say to you, remember this about your wife. Remember this. And he'll bring things to your attention that will cause focus to come to you about specific areas about your wife and remind you again why she is your wife. Um, Judy, how can a wife help a husband understand how to be a good husband to her without shaming him. him. Because sometimes, and and let me explain that, because sometimes I think it's true that when there are times when, um, again, when I sit with people and and a husband gets frustrated, the wife wants more attention from the husband, the husband feels like he's being shamed because she's um, always asking him for something and he feel, she's making him feel like he's insufficient or whatever. How can a, a wife help a husband uh, be a better husband, speak that to him, share that with him without shaming him?
1: Um, men need to hear the the things that are do they're doing right and sometimes um in a relationship when you want to sit and talk you want to uh, bring up what you want changed Mm. but if um i shared this at one of the ladies teas a few years ago my aunt is 93 years old and she was Having trouble in her marriage, and uh, she took a piece of paper and drew a line down the middle. And on the left side, she put at the top what he does wrong and his faults. And it on the other side w- is what he did right. And the list of everything he did right was so much longer
3: mm.
1: than what he did wrong. And that tells you right there, you know, what are you focusing on?
3: Mm.
1: Are you focusing on what he does right and pray about what he does wrong? Mm. And you and the Lord together, you can't change his heart. Mm. You, You can't make him do what he's supposed to do. It's
0: a good word. The
1: Holy Spirit has to do the work. It's
0: a good word. It's a good word. And
1: so you you partner with
0: the lord that's a good word i think it's it's a challenge sometimes in relationships especially with with men because men we have this thing about us that is right there's nothing uh, i'm going to use the word shame again there's nothing shameful about it men have this pride but there's a good pride and then there's a bad pride i want to have the kind of pride that says i'm a husband i know i'm a husband and i'm proud to be a husband I don't want to have the kind of pride that says, I'm a husband, and because I'm a husband, everything I say is right. There's a difference. There's a good pride and there's a bad pride. And I think for us to be able to sit down, especially as, as husbands and wives grow together, to be able to sit down across the table from your husband and wife, I think it's always easy in the beginning of the marriage for a husband and wife to look at each other and, and say, all, all they see is the good. Oh, you're amazing, you're this, you're all, you're, everything is positive. And then as the relationship grows, you begin to um, see things that maybe have, maybe have always been there but weren't so pronounced because you weren't living in the same house together. And I think that what you're saying, both of you are saying tonight, what you're helping everyone see tonight is that as you grow together, you, and even with that list, what we need to do sometimes is we need to be reminded again. Why Ask ourselves, why is it the few things that aren't good, why am I getting caught up in that? I want to get caught up in that long list that is good.
1: The world tells men that if they admit they're wrong, that it is a weakness. Hmm. And it's not.
0: It's not, right. Especially
1: right. to a woman right you know
0: it's hard for men, most men to say i'm sorry it's hard for a man to to just say i'm sorry especially if the man believes he's right even to the point even in the middle of his i'm sorry to say i'm sorry is it is a it's failing yeah. to many men they've failed well,
1: the world teaches that's boys what they say. And men right. that that you know you don't have to admit you're wrong
0: but the truth is it's maturity it's accepting because you're growing so men out of that my encouragement to you is where there needs to be repentance repent as you listen to what they're saying as you listen to what you're hearing tonight i encourage you tonight as you insert your own story in the lines of everything that's being spoken i encourage you as you insert your story review it um, make adjustments. Uh, see again those things in your wife that you saw when she walked down the aisle that day. Why, what, what made you come to tears or near tears because you saw her coming down that aisle? What, what made your heart beat fast? And begin again to focus on those things. And, and if when you look at your wife, you're trying to see the same wife that was the day you married her. Don't put that responsibility on her. Pull the scales off. And only repentance will remove those scales so that you can again see that wife and begin to do for her the kinds of things that you did in the very beginning. And watch your relationship change. Begin to honor her like you did on day one. And that relationship is going to change because that's God's plan. For marriage. I want to read to you out of Ephesians chapter 5 verse 25 very familiar scripture but I want to read it again tonight says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her and we're going to begin to wrap this up and I want to wrap it up with this uh, these next couple of questions so I'm going to ask both of you either of you can answer or both but what does that particular scripture mean to you when he says husbands love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her? Either or both of you can answer that. What does that mean to you?
2: Uh, Just before you started reading that scripture, I I was thinking, that's what I wanted to tell the men, is just love your wife. Mm. Just love her. Mm. Love is the most important thing. Mm. And I don't do it enough with her. But apparently I've done enough that she's still with me after fifty two <laughs> years. <laughs> so so I,
1: if you if you want uh, men, your wives will blossom in front of you if you love them. And it can be different every day, mm-hmm. how you can show the love.
0: My wife and I have made this um, observation many times in relationships. And I don't know if it's fair. Um, It may not be, but I'm just going to share out loud what the observations that we have made in private. And when we have seen married couples over the years, especially those that are troubled, and this is why we've made the observation, but when I see marriage couples that are troubled, You can watch the path when a husband is not loving his wife like both of you just addressed. If the love isn't there, you can see how the wife begins to less and less take care of herself. She's less and less concerned with her presentation. She's less and less concerned with her adornment. And I'm not trying to make those things priorities. I'm just saying she becomes less and less concerned because there's a sense if he doesn't care, then I'm not going to care. Husbands, men, your wife is feeding off of what Kent and Judy just said, the love that you are demonstrating to her. If you find that your wife is not feeling the need to maybe dress herself up, and and please don't misinterpret what I'm saying, uh, neither wives or husbands, but if she's not feeling like she wants to fix her hair or just look nice or whatever, or... Whatever it might be, I would ask yourself, instead of blaming her, instead of saying, why aren't you doing this? I would ask yourself, are you loving her enough that she wants you, she wants to prepare herself in such a way to be your pearl of great price? Are you preparing, are you loving her in such a way that causes her to want to be the one that she was again the day she came down that aisle? That was a great answer. Men, again, love, love, love your wives. So Kent, how can men, this is the last question for both of you guys, how can men learn to make their wives a priority instead of a partner?
3: It
2: goes back to love again. Uh, There's a lot of things you can do that will honor her and make her a priority. One thing that she has never really wanted from me, and I've always tried to do it, is buy her flowers on occasion. She mm. says, you don't need to buy me flowers. Don't buy me flowers. So I try to honor her and love her in other ways that not buying her flowers. Mm-hmm. So, and there's a lot of ways you can do that. I can't think, think of any right off the top of my head right now. But, um,
0: but that's, a great, that's a great response because it's it's are you blessing somebody by giving them something that isn't a blessing to them and to find out what would bless what will honor my wife and then to meet that if flowers does do not honor her what does do chocolates does a note my all of my family knows that for me I don't I'm not a I appreciate cards that I get that someone else wrote and then they just sign their name I appreciate that But I love the notes that I get that someone wrote out their own words. That's what blesses me. And I think finding that. What will bless my wife? Men, what will bless your wife? What will honor her? Even not what you think will honor her. Dig deep. Make it important to you to find out what will honor your wife and then do that. That was a great, great answer. Judy, from a wife standpoint, what advice would you give to husbands that are watching about how to honor their wives she's got boats uh, well,
1: I
3: have a few
0: beautiful yeah. uh, men, swallowing your pride put your, your microphone
1: swallowing your pride doesn't give you indigestion when it puts things right
0: that's great
1: and um husbands having a short a soft heart is not a weakness mm. And God has blessed, well, the best revenge is to leave, to have enough self-worth, not to seek the revenge.
0: Mm. Ooh, that's good, too. Say that one again.
1: The best revenge is to have enough self-worth, not to seek it. Mm. And husband, just a second. And everything changes when you say it out loud. Sometimes the women need you to say it out loud. I need Kent to say...
0: I love you. Oh, I love that. I love that. Well, referring back to Genesis 2, every single one of us men should desire to do what Genesis 2 states, and that is to hold fast to our wives. But I think a neat switch on that is that if we will honor our wives, men... Husbands, if we will honor our wives the way that God created us to honor our wives, if we will dig deep, if we will see them again as though it was day one, the beginning of our life together, if we will honor them and hold fast to them, it will also be true that they will love us and hold fast to us. Genesis 2 makes it very, very real and very plain. I encourage you today. I encourage you men, love your wives. And I want to go a step further. Some of you that are watching tonight, in fact, I'm going to go a little further than a step. I'm going to go two steps. Some of you that are watching tonight, because today's generation has come to the place where men and women have looked away from marriage. It is just isn't as important as it once was. First, there was the prenup agreement that left a back door to get out and then it became why marry at all and people are living together i want to tell you and i want you to hear me men you will never you cannot ever experience the true fullness of what marriage is in god's design purpose by living with a woman that's not marriage You cannot experience the fullness of what God's intention and purpose and plan was for marriage without doing it His way. When we do it His way, He will cause every single gift that is associated with marriage to come to fruition in your life. And I encourage you, if you're watching today and you're living with someone, you're watching this tonight, you've not married, but you found comfort in simply living with them, I encourage you today, men, if you love her, marry her. If you love her, allow her to become your one. The two of you to be joined together. Because in that way, I can tell you the Father's blessing will be poured out on that relationship. Here's the cool thing about becoming one. I've used the analogy many, many times about Kool-Aid and water. Once you mix Kool-Aid, the powder, in water, the liquid... Once those two things are put together and they are stirred up, you will never be able to get that powder out of that water again. If the water evaporates, so does the powder. It's all gone. It all vaporizes. In the same way, when a man and a woman are married and they become one, when a husband honors his wife, he holds fast to her, she holds fast to him as God intended it. When they marry and they become one, this is the amazing thing. Because you are one, In the same way that Kool-Aid and water became one could not be separated. Anything that happened to the water happened to the Kool-Aid. When the blessing of God is released, it affects the two that have become one. It cannot touch one without touching the other. I encourage you today to recognize that God has a plan for marriage. And you are in it. You are in that plan. If you have in any way walked away or in any way denied that, I encourage you today to repent and get it right. In fact, I'd be more than happy to officiate. I'm telling you today, I believe in the plan of God for marriage. And I also believe men and marriage were meant for each other. Every man needs a wife. Every man needs a wife. And those wives come to men at different times in their life. Don't rush it. Don't be hasty. The moment will come, and God will send her to you. And when he does, hold fast to the gift that he has brought to you. With that, I want to say this, and that is that my wife and I, I'm going to announce tonight, but in the spring, my wife and I are going to be doing a marriage getaway. It will be down at, uh, I forgot the name, West something down in uh, about two hours from Sanford, and uh, it's at a resort, and we're going to be doing a marriage getaway. If you're interested, send us a message. Uh, We want to know that you're interested, but we encourage you to come. Not only those who are married, but those who are going to be getting married or those who are old enough to be married and aren't yet. We're going to have provision for everyone, so we encourage you to come. And then lastly, Kent and Judy Craigs. Couldn't love you more than I do. You guys are so incredible, and you come with so much life and so much wisdom you have both experience and out of that experience wisdom was born and in you you are you are so incredibly humble in all of your statements and and acknowledge and recognize that you are still growing even after 52 years in that statement I can tell you just that statement alone that is something all of us can learn from that are coming up behind you I cannot thank you enough for being on this panel I bless you I love you. You are the picture. If someone looks up marriage in the dictionary, it is your picture that is right beside it. We love you so much. Thank you. All of you that are watching, I want to bless you. I want to thank you for being a part. I encourage you, share this with somebody. Listen to it again and again. Husbands, love, love, love your wife. She is a gift to you. Father, I thank you tonight. As we have gathered together tonight and we've heard your word and we've drawn and we've dialogued and we've talked and we've shared from the heart, Kent and Judy have shared from the heart, help us tonight to have grown. I pray tonight that every single listener, those who are listening live, those who will listen later, I pray that each one will grow from this and they, husbands will learn to honor their wives, to see again that wife that walked down that aisle on day one and recognize her as a gift from God to them. Help us today, Father, to receive this word and to be changed by it. Repent of what we need to repent of and grow from all of it. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. God bless. I'll see you Sunday morning. Thank you.